Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we get to start a new series from the pulpit of Bethesda Church. Today, Pastor Roy starts a series called Money Matters, Biblical Lessons on Money Management. Today, Pastor Roy will be looking at the parable of the talents from Luke chapter 11. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along. Today I'm uh, doing a message uh, this week and next week on uh, money matters, and uh, I'm doing that because a couple reasons. We have a couple things coming up in our church that I hope you will put down on your calendar and maybe consider attending. Uh, one is we are having a financial peace class that will start up in February, uh, the beginning of February during our ABF hour. Uh, Dave Ramsey material. It's very good material. Uh, it's not just for people in debt. It's for people to help them with budgets and future planning and just lots of things. And so I trust that you will take advantage of that class. It's probably been about four years since we've taught that class here. And so I trust you'll take advantage of that. Also, the beginning of April, um, we're going to be having on a Sunday night, MB Foundation will be coming. Uh, Garvey Schmidt will be coming and doing a workshop on planning your will, uh, basically honoring God with our estate, um, transferring our stewardship to the next generation. And so I trust that you will take advantage of those. So with that in mind, I thought it would be good to look at a passage of Scripture that uh, challenges us in the area of, of money. Uh, Jesus talked about money quite a bit. And so we want to look at that. Uh, if you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19... Uh, We'll read the account beginning in verse 11. Luke chapter 19 beginning in verse 11. Jesus had just finished uh, talking about a story about Zacchaeus who was a wealthy man and had ripped people off and He was making restitution. And so while he's finishing that story, it says in verse 11, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. So now he goes on to tell another story about money. Because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in. And reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. 
You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. It's quite an account. And it's actually interesting because in this account, Jesus actually takes an illustration from history from about 30 years prior from King Herod. King Herod dies and his son Archelaus then travels to Rome and he wants to be confirmed as the next king. However, because Archelaus is a wicked man, the Jews reject Archelaus as king. They send a delegation and they reject him and they make an appeal to Augustus to say, don't let this guy be king. They were partly heard because he was not given the entire kingdom. Archelaus was only given part of the kingdom. Interestingly enough, Jesus tells this story, and the king in this story is none other than Jesus himself. Jesus is rejected by the Pharisees and the religious leaders from being king. But when he returns from heaven, there will be a delegation who will reject him as king. But instead of them overthrowing his rulership, he will overrule them. You see, it says in the beginning, in verse 12, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. Here, Jesus is talking about himself. He journeys to heaven after his death. He occupies the throne next to his heavenly father. He is king, but his opponents cannot see him. They think they have defeated this king. One day the king will return and reign and rule over all. He will then ask, what have they done with what he gave them? You see, the story before us today is a story about faithfulness. And so it begs the question, what's in your wallet? What is in your wallet is very simple. Our wallet contains everything God has given us. We do not have anything in our wallet or in our possession that was not previously given to us by God. God not only owns what's in our wallet, he owns the wallet too. There will not be any wallets in heaven. All of our wallets will be left behind when we leave this world. It was interesting, when I was uh, giving my last sermon in Virginia, they had a farewell service for our family as we were transitioning to South Dakota. And when I stood up to speak, because there were eight pastors on staff, I thought it was only appropriate to address each one of them, and including Dr. Kroll, the senior pastor. And I told him, I said, when I joined the staff of Heritage, I said, my first assignment, the very first day I came on staff, I was to travel to Kentucky 
with Josh Kroll to a Bible conference he was teaching. And when we got down there and got on the conference and he taught the first day and came back to our place where we were staying, he got deathly sick. And, I mean, he, he came down with the flu. He had a high temperature. Um, he was just really weak. And he said, I need you to get into my wallet. I thought, wow, the first day on staff and I get to get in the senior pastor's wallet. This is cool. And he said, I, I need you to take out the calling card and call my wife, Linda, and talk to her. And, uh, and you know, let her know. And, and so... I, I told everybody, I said, when I opened his wallet, three moths flew out of it. I'm joking, of course. But it was, it was actually a play on the fact of his frugality. But he's actually a very giving individual. The point is, we all have stuff in our wallet that God has given to us. And we are going to give an account of what we do with what is in our wallets. The people thought that Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem and take the kingship immediately. When you look down, he says in verse 13, he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he says, until I come back. But right before that, in the end of verse 11, it says the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. They expected him to go to Jerusalem, overthrow Rome, and with all of his miraculous power, call legions of angels, and he's going to take over. However, they missed the message that Jesus was giving. Jesus, actually, back in chapter 18, predicted his death. And, if, and the Bible says, but they did not understand. If you look back in chapter 18... In verse 31, Jesus took the twelve aside, told them, we're going up to Jerusalem. Everything written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. But notice the disciples. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. And then interesting, right after that, Jesus goes into the story about a blind man. They themselves were blind to what he was trying to teach. And I hope that we are not blind to the fact of three ways God is going to test our faithfulness. That's what I want to share with you this morning. Three ways God is going to test our faithfulness. The first way is our faithfulness is tested by God's delay. You see, he tells them, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. However, he's gone for a long time. Jesus has been gone for a long time, 2,000 plus years. And he hasn't returned yet. He was made king, the Bible says in verse 15, however... And returned home. When I was in high school, my brother and I were granted permission to go on a camping trip with some of our buddies. We went in the woods back behind our, our friend's house, and we had a blast. I mean, we played flashlight tag up in the wee hours of the morning. We ran through the bushes. We climbed trees. Uh, we just had a wonderful time 
uh, back there camping. But there was one condition on my dad giving us permission to go. He said, I will let you go as long as when you come home tomorrow, you scrape the house and you paint it. That was our assignment. There was one problem. When you stay up all night, you, get, you don't have any energy left. We spent all of our energy. And when we got home, we weren't thinking about scraping the house and painting, believe me. And, I mean, to get up on the ladder wasn't even safe, I mean, because we were so tired. And so we went out there, and we did very, very little. There was one mistake, big mistake we made. Somehow in our minds, we thought, Dad's never coming home. But he came home. And when he came home, we were in trouble. Because we did not do what Dad asked us to do. And the work did not get done, and he was very disappointed. I can still remember his penetrating look and his thundering voice shook us down to our sandals, and we weren't even wearing sandals. I mean, it was not a good feeling. But think about this. What is it going to be like when Jesus comes back? He's told us what he wants us to do with our resources, and we haven't done it. Because somehow in our minds we're thinking he's not coming back. But he is. He is coming back. So God's delay is actually a test to our faithfulness. His absence, he gave them the assignment and then he left because his absence was essential for them to grow in discipleship and faithfulness. Just as God's absence Physically, Jesus' absence from us is a test for our faithfulness and his delay in coming. You see, the greatest challenge we have as parents is to prepare our children for life outside the home. When they leave the comforts of home and they're thrust into a world that is characterized by selfishness and greed. And here's why I think it's difficult. Because we live in a world where results are rewarded over character, where beauty is valued more than morality, where education is applauded more than theological understanding, where skill takes precedence over integrity, and listen to this, where wealth is worshipped more than God. You see, God's delay should not result in man's denial. So our faithfulness is tested by God's delay. His delay in coming does not exclude us from our faithfulness and obedience to do what he told us to do. He was made king, it says in verse 15, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. So here's our second test. Our faithfulness is tested by God's gifts. What he has given us, we are tested by the gifts he's given to us. Look at the definition here of stewardship. The process of being responsible with someone else's property while it is entrusted. Our stewardship, each servant in this of the ten servants was given a mina. Amina was a Greek coin that was worth a hundred drachmas. 
It took 60 minas to make a talent. You might remember the parable of the talents. The talents were much, it was a much bigger gift that God had given. This was actually a very small gift. It would have accumulated to about three months' wages, about 100 days of wages, which would have been between $16 and $18 a piece. That's all. A very small amount. But isn't that what you do when you test someone's faithfulness? You give them a little to see what they do with that little. If they are faithful over little, then God can give more. And so it's faithful in what God has given to us. He wanted to know, are they going to sit around and just squander the gift God has given to them, or are they going to invest it and make more money to please the king? It would show their gratitude for what God had done for them. The late J. Paul Getty, one of the world's richest men, wrote in his memoirs, as I see it, that he tried to live by his father's credo. He said this, It's not how much money a man has, it's what he does with it that counts. What he does with it. The story does not follow all ten men. It only is intended to illustrate two extremes, great faithfulness or complete failure. The first servant had a glowing report. Look what he says in verse 16. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Look at Jesus' response. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second one likewise received a glowing report. He came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. The first one had gained a thousand percent. The second one had gained 500. But what I want you to realize is he gave the same reward, whether it was 1,000 or 500. Why? Because Jesus was not nearly as concerned about the result as he was their faithfulness. That's what he was really measuring is their faithfulness because they both had the same amount. God is the one who gives the increase, but we are the ones who have to be faithful to God in what he's given to us. The third servant, notice what he does. He actually goes into detail talking about the master. Look at it for a moment. In verse 20, another servant came. Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. None of the other ones talked about the character or anything of the master. They just did what the master said. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. Was that true? No, it wasn't. He had a false perception of Jesus. A false perception of Jesus. And whenever we have a false perception of something, it will result in a misappropriation of our money. A failure to understand who Jesus is will result in a misappropriation of our money. 
because he misunderstood who Jesus was. He misunderstood what Jesus wanted him to do. One theologian suggests that wrapping this money up in a perishable handkerchief like this third servant did was considered one of the most irresponsible ways to take care of money and suggests that the servant was stupid or treasonous or likely both. Jesus goes on to tell this third servant, if the measurement you are going to use to judge me, then I'm going to use the same measurement device to judge you. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Look what he says in verse 22. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You did, did you think that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in, reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Jesus has his mina taken away, and he gives it to the one who is faithful. So here's a question. What investments have we made into God's kingdom? If Jesus is coming back, and he is, and he has given something in our wallet, and he's saying, I want you to take what I've given you in your wallet and use it to further my kingdom. He is coming back, which means we're going to give an account of what is in our wallet. All of us will. It's not the amount he's given us, it's what we do with what he's given us. That's what he's going to ask us. Were you faithful in what I've given you? You see, if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll learn in the Old Testament they had to give 10%. We don't really see that in the New Testament because he talks about the grace of giving. 10% is a good place to start, is what he's saying, of what God has blessed us with. And I wonder, are you a faithful giver or you just throw a few bucks in the offering when you feel moved or maybe convicted? Or do you systematically, regularly, faithfully, consistently give to the Lord out of what he's given you, out of faithfulness? What have you invested? Where have you invested your resources to advance God's kingdom? And I want to even add, not just money, but what about your time? Do you have a regular ministry of investing your time into God's work? Have you identified your spiritual gifts, and are you using those gifts to build the kingdom of God? He told us to go and make disciples. Who are we making a disciple? Who am I helping grow in their faith and in their walk with Christ? What about my abilities, my talents that the Lord has given me? Am I using them for the advancement of God's kingdom? Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul is saying, I'm in prison, and I'm okay with it because the reason I'm okay with it is because the gospel is being advanced. He says, as a result of me being in prison, facing this hardship, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. 
Paul was concerned about advancing the gospel. He was concerned about being faithful, not only with his resources, but with the gospel itself. We need our resources to advance the gospel. In Philippians 1.22, Paul says, If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Is your labor fruitful for the Lord? It's a test. The delay of Jesus coming back is a test of our faithfulness. The gifts that God has given us is a test of our faithfulness. Let me give you the last one. Our faithfulness is further tested by God's word. By God's word. And the reason I say that is because he came back. He asked each of them. He asked the first what he had gained. He asked the second what he had gained. He asked the third one what he had gained. And Jesus says in 22, I will judge you by your own words. But ultimately, he's judging him by his words. Because he gave the message of what they were to do. God will settle the accounts of my life. He will weigh my life and determine if it was lived for me, myself, or something else. Somebody said Christian giving is always a response. The motivation for our giving is that we have received. It doesn't mean we try to pay God back because that's impossible. It does mean, however, that our giving begins in gratitude. God has blessed us with property next door. We don't know yet how God wants us to use that and develop it, but we know it's going to take resources to do it. And so I encourage you as a church body to be praying with us, with our leadership, how we should use that property. And when does God want us to do something with it? Would you pray with us about that? We want to be faithful to what God has put in our wallet. We want to be faithful to what he has put in our hand, to the task. Do you know one of the biggest challenges of any pastor of any church is faithful discipleship, where people faithfully are committed to Christ, serving Christ, we have so many areas in our church where there's opportunities to serve and to invest in the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you have not found that place of service, find it. Get involved. What is your spiritual gift? What does God want you to use? If you're not a faithful giver to the Lord, I am going to faithfully share God's principles with you about giving. Because I will give an account whether or not I've done that. And that's why I give that to you today. And I trust that God will speak to your heart and challenge you in 2017 to look at your resources, look at your budget. Where does God fit into the equation? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I have a question. What's in your wallet? What are you doing with what's in your wallet? You see, the first test of faithfulness is God's delay. 
Jesus said he is coming back. And by the way, before he asks for your money, he wants your heart. Because the Bible says where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. God wants your heart. Jesus is coming back. And he is going to bring judgment when he comes back. The Bible says he will judge every man according to his works, what he has done. Not that we can work our way into heaven. I'm not saying that. But have we received Christ as our personal Savior? That's the first test to begin a life of faithfulness. Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? The second one then is in the area of giving. Giving to the Lord from our resources in a tangible way, saying, God, I realize that everything in my wallet is yours. You are the owner. I am the manager. I am the steward. And God's going to judge us based on our faithfulness. Not how much we have, but what we've done with what he's given us. If you are not a regular, if you are a, a regular attender here, we, I know we have some visitors here today, but if you're a regular attender here, the Bible shares how you are to support the work of God. And it's not, yes, you're helping the church, but you are actually growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord in your faithful obedience to what God has given you. So don't let the delay of God cause you to be unfaithful to him. And what about the gifts God has given to you? Some are gifted with resources. Some are gifted with talents, have ability and time to give. This is our opportunity to do that, to give to the Lord. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, that is our greatest concern for you. And if you would like to talk to someone, I'll be shaking hands at the back. Talk to myself or someone else about how you can have a personal relationship with Christ. Don't let Satan blind you to God's delay in returning if you are not in a right relationship with the Lord. If you are not faithful in giving, maybe this is an opportunity that God is knocking on the door of your heart and say, you know what, in 2017, I'm going to look seriously at my finances and I'm going to say, God, I need you to help me grow in this area. I want to be faithful in what you have given me to advance the kingdom of God. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.